Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, chickens. This is the fabulous Adam Richard, and I have a theory. Hey chickens, uh, still watching Peter Capaldi in The Magician's Apprentice from uh, the night series, uh, of the new series. <laughs> oh my God, like what would it be with like uh, someone, I think it's The Guardian, like gives, when they review the new episodes, they say like season 39 or whatever we're up to. Um, I do not do that. <laughs> It's too confusing because um, I would have to do some maths. And also, what do you count the eighth Doctor, like his one movie? Was that a season on its own? It just throws a spanner in the works. It's too con- like I, I don't, I can't deal with it. Um, anyway, ninth, ninth series of the new series. Uh, the Doctor is on the front of a tank with an amp and a, an electric guitar uh, that he's playing. Uh, I'm still... I don't know if that's the Doctor Who theme or not. Maybe I'm hearing things. Maybe he was playing um, that Gary Glitter song that the <laughs> that the Time Lords, the KLF, based their song on. <laughs> you know, Doctor Who, Doctor Who. Uh, that was a bonkers song as well. Uh, so much fun. So, uh, yeah, the knight looks frustrated. He's got his axe and he's like, what is this meant to be? And the doctor says, you wanted an axe fight. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that is a dad joke of the highest order. And he's like, in a few hundred years, that'll be hilarious. It's a slow burner. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think so. Uh, then he gets the crowd cheering uh, about, because he's like a musical instrument, can't be an axe. And the doctor's like, yeah, well, a daffodil's not a broadsword. And I managed to beat you with one of those last round. And everyone's like, um, And then he's like, what's that for? And he goes, oh, this ta- this tank. I got this for my fish. It's a fish tank. 
the crowd is indifferent, obviously, and it's like, oh, this will be hilarious in a few hundred years. Look, I'm here in a few hundred years, and I beg to differ. Uh, it's just, it's really big puns. <laughs> not my favourite. Um, like, it's like proper dad jokes, or like, you know... Like when you see like little kids jokes in in like a coloring book or something. This, you know what it's like. They're Christmas cracker paper hat jokes. Like really, come on, doctor, what are you doing? Um, up on the battlements, Clara's like, what's the matter with him? He's never like this. And Missy's like, mm, you really are new, aren't you? Uh, at which point, the doctor kind of like looks over his sonny's up at them. Um, and Clara's like, has he heard? And then he starts playing Pretty Woman on his guitar, which is meant to make us think, oh, he has heard. Because, you know, Clara's pretty. Uh, and he says to the crowd, I've been there for three weeks. Uh, and then he reels off all the things he's been doing. Like when he dug the well, apparently he taught them maths, and then he introduced them to the word "dude" hundreds of years too early. Uh, but he says, tells them he has to leave, and they're like, "No." Um, and but first, he wants to introduce the crowd to a couple of his friends, and Clara comes out, and she's like, "How did you see me in the crowd?" And he's like, "What crowd?" And she's like, "Oh, you're doing charm now as well." Um, she's like, "Well, which of us is dying?" And then he hugs her. And she's like, you're doing hugging now? Uh, she's quite surprised. And he's like, yeah, hugging's a great way to hide your face. And she's like, this party, it isn't you. And he goes, well, I spent yesterday in a bow tie, the day before in a long scarf. Like, whatever. Then he starts playing guitar as Missy enters. And he gets the audience to hiss like they're at a pantomime. I kind of love that the audience setup is a bit like, I don't know if you've been to the Globe Theatre um, which was, you know, hundreds of years after this is like the 12th century, like the Globe Theatre would have been like 15th, 16th century, like Elizabethan times. Um, anyway, there was a touring globe that went around the world that spent some time. I went to it on my birthday in Melbourne to see Othello, uh, which was amazing. And then I also went when it was like, it was just down the road from my house. Well, like a 20 minute walk, but it was, uh, yeah, not far from here. And so I went about three or four times <laughs> to see, so it was about four different shows on like kind of in a repertory, uh, situation at the globe. And it was just so much fun. Like the, you could go up in the stands and sit down or you could just be on the floor, um, and that's kind of what the seating looks like in in this weird open area where they are. Um, but, yeah, kind of like that stand seating. It's kind of cute. A bit like, you know, it, a bit like the seating in um, Harry Potter when they're having the Quidditch. Just not up as high. <laughs> like, just that seating, but a bit further down. Uh, very wooden with lots of flags and things. Um but yeah, uh, so he's <laughs> getting everyone to hiss at Missy. Um, and then his night friend starts choking. The doctor's like, oh, what have I told you about the marbles? If I give you a marble, don't swallow it. He's swallowing a marble. Um, and then he pulls a snake out from around his throat. So he, he was choking on a snake. Uh, and the snake is like a stripey one. It slithers on the ground and then goes under the hem of, uh-oh, it's Colony Saf, um, who's now just in the middle of the arena. He's turned up. Uh, and he says his friends have led him here. Oh, the doctor's friends has, have led Colony Saf. I see. He followed Missy. Um, and then his cloak falls off and his face, which has all those stripes on it, starts unwinding. Uh, and he becomes 
lots of snakes, uh, including one really big one. Um, all the crowd run out, and the doctor's like, nobody dies here. Uh, and Colony Saf tells him that Davros, creator of the Daleks, is dying, and he would speak to the doctor on the last night of his life. And the Doctor once more says, nobody will die here. And Saf reforms himself and questions how dangerous the Doctor thinks he is. And the Doctor's like, well, Davros sent you and you're so stupid, you came. Um, <laughs> and the Doctor's like, is this supposed to frighten me? A snake nest in a dress. <laughs> um, and the Doctor says, Davros is his arch enemy. At which point Missy goes, what? He's your arch enemy now? I want to scratch out his eye. Eye singular, because he just has that one eye, because his other two eyes are gone, Davros. It's a bit ableist, Missy. Um, but then I guess she's a mass murderer and a <laughs> psychopathic uh, genocide enacting <laughs> person. So, you know, ableism's probably right at the bottom of the list of awful things she does. Um, I don't know why I'm judging her. She's a bad person. Uh Anyway, um, <laughs> Colony Saf says Davros knows and remembers and he throws the old busted sonic screwdriver on the ground and Clara's like, that's yours. And the doctor says, yeah, it was. Uh, I don't have a screwdriver anymore. And Clara realises the doctor is ashamed. And then he flashes back to the kid uh, when Davros was a little kid so asking for help. And the Doctor kind of disappears in the mist. And then the sound of the TARDIS dematerializing. <gasps> what? Um, then the Doctor asks uh, a Colony Saf if his ship is in orbit. And it kind of wriggles a bit. And he's like, what are you doing? He goes, I'm... Uh, <laughs> we're a democracy. I'm just getting... <laughs> So weird. Uh, anyway, the doctor's prepared for teleport, and Missy's like, "This is a trap. I'm an expert in traps. I should know." Um, and she's like, "This is why you sent the confession dial through a three week party." And he's like, "He says goodbye to everyone, and then a snake goes under the dirt and pops up around the doctor's wrists and ties them together." Clara and Missy demand to come with him. The Doctor forbids it, but Saf teleports them all anyway. Uh, and then Nighty comes out um, and starts... He's tipping things over in the Doctor's rooms, pulling curtains and throwing desks over. And then he finds the TARDIS and he turns around and he has a Dalek eye sticking out of his head and says, Inform High Command, the TARDIS is located. And then Dalek starts shouting, The TARDIS shall be procured! I love Daleks shouting. It's so much fun. Um, on Colony Saf's ship, the Doctor explains the whole plot of Genesis of the Daleks, but just in a nutshell, instead of the whole six episodes, because it's a lot. <laughs> um, he manages to get it, get through it in a sentence uh, and then says, Davros made the Daleks, but who made Davros? And I think... The implication is that the Doctor made Davros because the Doctor turned up in the middle of that giant war that had been going on for hundreds of years, um, which I thought was really well done at the start of the episode. Like all the old technology and new technology, like biplanes and lasers. Like that's kind of the way it's talked about in in Genesis of the Daleks, that the war's been going on so long that they're starting to revert to, you know, really traditional weapons because they've 
you know, they just don't have the the ability to make new stuff anymore, but there's still a few leftover laser guns, but, you know, there's also landmines and all that kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, is this is this the implication that the, the Doctor has kind of created the Davros that exists now? Oh, I guess we'll find out in the next episode. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.